The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Taylor Jenkins was just saying here, he said you'd probably, you know, be the quarterback on the team, but do you think you got some wide receiver skills too? Oh, for sure. Uh, I'm only a red zone guy, though. Fade, fade route jump ball on me, man. I ain't doing no quick slants, cutting across the middle, none of that. Just, I'm either going deep or, you know, a little fade route. But, uh, you know, during that time, I, I think uh, we fouled. Uh, you know, Steve-O looked at me and was like, go. And, you know, I just listened. And my message to him was just put it by the rim and I, you know, try to make a play. And then I just read the ball and, Probably, you know, there's something I probably won't be able to do again. That's John ja Morant uh, describing that buzzer beater, the unreal buzzer beater last night. Um, in scoring a career high and franchise record 52 points, Man. Uh, John ja Morant just continues to prove night in and night out that there really isn't anything that he can't do on the basketball court. Um, but before we get too deep into John ja Morant's, ja Morant's star turn, I just watched you yeah. drop 46 on the Bulls Saturday night, and, he's, and right. that, that career high was temporary. He comes back with 52 last night. What a run for him. I want to play the best thing that I saw today, because I think it's related to what I want to say about John ja Morant, what we're seeing from John ja Morant. But this is the best thing I saw on the Internet today. It is Giannis Antetokounmpo meeting Allen Iverson at the All-Star 75th anniversary all-time NBA 75 celebration in Cleveland. I don't bother you, I just want to tell you that. Like I watch your, watch your story, watch your documentary, like you start playing basketball. So that's Giannis. That's the Greek freak. That's my daughter's, my oldest daughter, Savannah. That's her favorite player, has been her favorite player for years now. That's a two time MVP. Some would say best player in the league, reigning finals MVP. That is one of the faces of the league right now telling your favorite player's favorite player, AI, I started playing basketball. Because of, because of you. So the love fest yeah. continued last night after John Morant put up 52 because Allen Iverson tweeted a picture of the MVP trophy with the Morant jersey on it saying sooner or later, as in sooner or later, John Morant's going to be the MVP. To which John Morant responded, pass the torch OG. So what that got me just kind of really feeling was just this appreciation for our privilege of being able to witness a star being born. Like, I don't know that there's anything really cooler than watching somebody ascend right before our eyes the way yes, we're watching John Morant ascend Ooh. right before our eyes. And yes, he's not yes, just somebody yes. 
who might be able to carry the Grizzlies deep into the playoffs. He's not just somebody who will push his way onto the MVP ballot this year or in future years or as AI is saying eventually win MVP. He's somebody who can carry the league who can carry the game forward. He certainly seems up to the challenge and I'm watching him last night and I'm watching the way he plays and how explosive he is and rest in peace. Yaka Pirtle. Just joking, but he kind of yeah. ended my man last night. Yeah. But I'm watching, yeah. Yeah. you know, his high flying yeah. act. We're watching his game evolve. We're watching the respect that people like Iverson are putting on his name. And I'm just thinking, man, there's going to be a generation of players who are watching John ja Morant, who are going to yeah. go up to him one day and say, "I started playing basketball because of you," or "I tried to model my game after you," or "I wore my hair with the color dreads the way you do." Or, I, I, or I, I approach my teammates and I approach leadership. I, I play with the kind of infectious joy that you play with. So it's just really fun as we as we focus on who's going to win MVP and who's going to win the championship and who's going to get traded and, you know, who's going to lead this team and that team. Some of the macro drama that we get caught up in, it was just real wholesome and really enjoyable. The last couple of games from John Moran, really all season, but the last couple yeah. of games, just to watch a superstar being birthed before our very eyes and saying, you know what, man, this man. dude, this dude's not coming. He's here and he's going to be here for a long time. And he's somebody that we're all going to root for Grizzlies fan or not. He's going to be one of the yeah, future faces right. of the league. a la Allen Iverson or, or right. the Greek freak. And that's the other thing. That's the other thing about those stars that you talked about. Uh, whether it's Allen Iverson, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, you didn't necessarily they were national. So you didn't necessarily have to be from Los Angeles, Cleveland, Philadelphia uh, to root yeah. for them. Chicago. They were the team. You watched them. You saw them all the time. They were on national TV. Hey, a Bulls game on a Sunday at 330 Eastern time. You checking it out uh, and, and you might be living in New Orleans. You might be living uh, in New York City. You're watching it because they got that star that everybody wants to see and he's that guy Mike. I can't tell you the last time I was this excited about a player at this stage of his career. You know, you hear a lot about guys coming out of college, you know, a number one overall pick or somebody you've been following uh, these days, you know, following in high school and their one year in college. John yeah. Morant, I, I, we, we, we heard about him in his first, well, people like serious basketball heads knew about him. But the casual March Madness people heard about him after his first NCAA tournament game, which he was unbelievable. He was sensational in the first one. They won that game. Second game they lost, he was still sensational. And there was talk at the time, and I thought, man, people are overreacting. Should he be the number one pick in the draft? Now, come on now. It's Zion. Uh, he's going to be a top well, draft pick. He should be number remember one. Remember, he was a consolation prize. Yeah, right. You know, it was like Zion's all them. Everybody, the prize is Zion, and whoever gets number two, oh, you could settle for John Morant. Yeah, and, and it, he is beyond that. He's beyond settling. As Greg Popovich said last night, he is a beautiful basketball player. I love that quote. He's a beautiful basketball player. He is. And this is what I love about basketball. There, there's, and I love all sports, but each sport has its little quirk, has its little nuance that it only has and no other sport can really match up in that category. And for basketball, it's this. You get a star, you get a superstar, and you ain't got no problems, Jules. G generally, you got a superstar, and you are yeah. at, at the very least, at the very least, yeah. You, you, we know you're, you're a playoff team. That's yeah, not a question. You're, you're a playoff team. Right. Now we're talking about okay, when's the championship happening? 
You are you're, you're gonna you're gonna be in the playoffs, but you're gonna go much further than that. In other words, Calvin Johnson wouldn't have retired in basketball. <laughs> Barry Sanders wouldn't have retired out of frustration because that was a, that's enough in basketball and football and hockey and baseball. You just one you're you're a small piece of it. In basketball, you're a piece of it, but you are you're the sun, and everybody else is kind of flowing to what you're doing. Yeah. Going to your dictates, but I, I tell you, man, um, we talked yesterday with Kurt Heelan, and uh, you asked him about Utah. Uh, <coughs> we talked about Phoenix. We talked about Golden State. Somehow, we didn't mention Memphis. that was just an interest of time. No, that's just an interest. That, no, that was just an interest of time. I know we've Memphis talked about Memphis for, for I know a we while talked about now. Him. Has been the official team. Of brother from another, especially since Desmond right. Bain rolled through. Desmond so that's Bain, our official Western Bain. Conference team is the Memphis Grizzlies. But I'm Let's saying, since that's our official team, since that's our official team, we need to have product placement every single time. We got an opportunity to mention Memphis. We got to mention Memphis, even when it when it's a non sequitur. We got to just bring in Memphis. Oh, by the way, you're talking about uh, conference, uh, you know, championship contenders in the Eastern Conference. How about Memphis? Even though they're in the West, let's just yeah. throw in Memphis. Who's in there. who's the Memphis of the Eastern Conference, if if you will? I'm I'm, I'm just I'm <laughs> more, right. more than anything, man. I don't know that I've been this excited about Memphis. Uh, you know, man, when's the last time this been excited about the city of Memphis? Probably since Hustle and Flow. Maybe maybe since Hustle and Flow. I don't know. Hustle and Flow. Hustle and Flow. Ball and jeans. Swab House. Three six mafia. Derrick Rose. Derek Rose when John Calipari was there. I don't know, you know. Yeah, but yeah. Pay, go back to Penny Hardaway if you want to. But no, and all, all jokes aside, this market. I didn't. I I didn't realize the history. Even in particular, the history of the Grizzlies and before that the Vancouver Grizzlies, but the Grizzlies as a franchise with the number two overall pick. And I didn't realize that in 03, I forgot about this. In 03, when uh, LeBron went one to the Cavs. Their pick was top one protected and it went to Detroit and that's how Detroit ended up taking a uh, old oh boy. Um, yeah, yeah, I forget his name that I, that I shouldn't Darko. I shouldn't forget his name Darko Darko Milicic. Thank you. Darko, Darko yeah. Milicic. Um, who knows who, who, the, who the Grizzlies would have taken, but nonetheless, they wouldn't this have taken franchise. Darko. Yeah, well, hopefully um, this franchise, even though they've had some really fun, gritty grindhouse lovable type teams. It's, it's interesting that last night. Look, Jaws been doing this all season, not 52 points, but he's been doing this playing phenomenally well all season, all NBA well all season, maybe fringe MVP ballot all season. But there was something about you reference Greg Popovich just happened against the Spurs. Maybe there's a parallel with the Spurs getting the Admiral or the Spurs getting the big fundamental and a, a small market team becoming the epicenter of the conference, if not the NBA. Right. So maybe Memphis is on its way to being what San Antonio was for so many years. I would college. love it. I'd love to see it, man. Um, you know, th this this franchise has never had a 50 point score. And as you as you uh, as you referenced, they've had a lot of lottery picks. They've had a lot of terrific players. Now, I, I remember going all the way back um, when they first got into the league and Vancouver was a great city. I mean, I'm happy for Memphis. But back when I was covering the NBA, that was part of the trip. Trip to, I used to love this trip. It's like all in one swoop. You go to Portland, you go to Seattle, rest in peace. Shout out Sonics. Then you make the trip uh, from Seattle to Vancouver. And it was beautiful. So you see the Grizzlies, 
Uh, they had a good, you know, good situation, good fan base, but you know, they moved on uh, to Memphis. But even at that time, I remember like in the uh, mid 1990s, they had just come into the league. They were prevented from getting the number one pick. So in that Tim Duncan draft, mm. it wasn't just a LeBron draft in the Tim Duncan draft in 1997. Um, they could they had the worst record in the league, but they couldn't get the number one pick because they were an expansion team. But people were hating on expansion teams. You can't just be, can't be can't be number one because you're gonna be bad. You can't come in and take them. So I think they wound up with like Big Country Reeves or something like that. Brian Reeves and, and the Sounds Spurs wound right. up with with Tim Duncan or, or Sharif Abdurrahim somewhere around there. They had a lot of guys like that, but they've had a lot of good players in their history. Uh, the grit and grind days, Tony Allen, Zach Randolph, Mark Gasol. They've never had a superstar like this. And Abdul Rahim, if you look him up, he was he was terrific. He was, he was nice. a great scorer. Oh no, he was nice. But not like they, this. They just they, they is, never had a they never had a transcendent player. He's a tra- he's a transcendent like, player who is appointment. You feel television. like you can't leave. You can't leave. Yeah. You can't leave. Yeah. If John if John Morant is on the court. You don't want to, and it's fine. You know, basketball is one of those sports. You can like, you can talk during the game. It's okay. <laughs> you can talk to somebody, but you almost like if somebody's talking to you, you're still keeping your eyes on the court. I, I just, I'm just so excited for Memphis. I'm excited for this guy. He seems to have all of the, uh, have all, all of the uh, requisite superstar traits. You know, he, he can perform in big moments. He, he yeah. can. Um, he, he could do it all. He could last night in 52 point, a 52 point game. He gave you everything, everything you want to see. You want to see a, a guy fly to the rim. You want to see a guy sh- play with efficiency. You want to see a guy be a good teammate, uh, play well in the clutch. All this he can do all that. Plus, he seems to be as we talked with Mark Spears about this before. He seems to be wired for Memphis. He's a big time player in a small, wired for Memphis. A small market. Yeah, wired for Memphis and his. And his teammates seemed to adore him. It, just the scene afterward, the way they were mobbing him, the way they were egging him on to get 50, the way they were, you know, taking the pictures with him. That market loves him. That organization loves him. His teammates love him. They respond to him. They feed off of him. Um, I mean, he gives you 52 last night. To your point about the efficiency, he gives you 52 going 22 of 30. Like Come you on. don't see Come many on. guys get 52 points. What? With four threes, he went four for four from three. Yeah. With four threes. And four free throws made. He made four free throws, made four threes, and still gave me 52 points. In his last four games, granted the first two were losses, but he's gone for 44, 20, 46, and 52. But just again, in the macro, just the big picture for me, in a, in a, in a day and age where the regular season, as we talk about, reducing the number of games where the regular season seems to matter less and less. We like to fast forward to the playoffs. We like to rush the process. We want to just get to see who's going to, you know, contend for a championship. In the meantime, it's a great moment. It's, it's Morant's moment right now. And pretty soon it's going to be his league. Um, as some of these OGs, some of these old heads start to phase out on the, and on the back end of their careers. Again, man, just watching a star being born. I don't know about you, Michael, but I didn't watch. I watched from the upper angle. I didn't watch the birth of my children. Not to get too graphic here. I wasn't. I wasn't. I, I didn't well, get all in there because because I was told oh, there are certain things you can't unsee. That was, no, that's no, what no, I was that's, told. That, certain that, things that, you cannot unsee. That's bad intel. That's bad intel. Okay, that's fine. Bad intel. That's fine. I only because said that you know to what? say watching a star being born. I feel like I feel like the the, the monkey in the Lion King with Jai, and I'm just like holding Simba 
up to the heavens. Like it just like last night just felt like just we saw something and we remember something. And again, it was only the regular season. I know legends are made in you know in the playoffs. I get that. You don't get on the all-time 75 and, and and congratulate your idols and meet your idols because you dropped 52 on the last day in February. I get all of that, but it's got to start somewhere. And it feels like Man. it's starting and it's already started. And last it night started. was another reminder of John ja, of, of ja Morant. I, I, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a few things here. Let, let, let's just let's do some housekeeping here. That, that, a few things. One, you really did get bad intel on that, on the childbirth thing. Because as a member of the media, you've been told many times you can't come you can't come in here, right? <laughs> How many times have you been told that? We were just told that at the Super Bowl in Los Angeles. You got your little fancy pass. <laughs> Uh, you yeah. know, you feel pass around the your flashlight neck. Flashlight cops. And, and, uh, yeah. No, 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 no. You can't come here. You can't come here. When I was in the hospital, and they said, "Hey, come on down." I did. I went right down. I Easy saw now. the birth of my children, and it was great. It was great. Best, best three moments of my life. That's one, two. Um, Antonio Daniels. They drafted Antonio Daniels okay. with that pick. They could have had Tim Duncan. They wound up with Antonio Daniels. Think about that. Shout out to Antonio Daniels. No disrespect. He played in the league for a little bit. Uh, and three, that dunk. That dunk. We, listen. That I mean, we've got nightly. To. That dunk of the year, and he'll probably outdo it in the next game. It's like every other day, he's yamming on somebody. It's, it's, it's that the, dunk. Every comparison is apt. Derrick Rose. Allen Iverson, he's part, he's part all these guys, man. He's incredible. Incredible athleticism. That dunk is that dunk is better than any dunk I've seen in the last decade of dunk contest. Last decade. Oh, and man. it was in game. Now, you know what? That's the only thing he hasn't done yet. Now if Ja if Ja could rescue the dunk contest, he now can. we're cooking with gas. Now we're cooking with gas. If you can no. put ja, like, and I don't want to people people were begging for him to do it. That debacle that shall not be discussed. People were begging for it in the moment because because of stuff like that. And Yakupertal is like he's no scrub. Like that's that's that, you, you dunk it on somebody when you yam on Yakupertal. The way he did it, it was just the ferocity. Oh, so much fun. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. There are so many other coaches black coaches and otherwise that you could bestow this position upon bestow this honor upon give this opportunity to be offensive coordinator when you're an offensive coach yourself. Why does he have okay. to have Art Bryles? He's trying to but, win. But, it's not, but, but Michael, it's not worth it. You don't win it, but you can't win at all costs. I'm sorry. Whoever said win at all costs. There's a there's a threshold. There's a line. Okay, and win at all costs. It's not it's not worth this because what are you losing? What are you losing in terms of the brand? And the Do respect that this university has, there are, you can't. You're not going to tell me that the difference between winning and losing at Grambling is Art Bryles. It's not worth this trouble. Is he worth the trouble in two years? Is he worth the no. trouble if he says the Feel right? Feel free to so infer you think he should be, that I'm so saying he shouldn't, he shouldn't coach be? again. 
Well, you are. Feel free to because it. If, fine. That's if, fine. If, if it's not going to be, if it's not going to be better in two years, if it's not going to be better. Sure. Uh, sure. Via a statement you need me to say the words. Hugh Jackson. He should never coach again. Jackson's foundation. He should never coach again. All right. That was us yesterday. Talking about Art Bryles, and uh, I, I think as we were talking about him, Art Bryles already knew what he was doing next, and what he was doing next is something he has done often since 2016 when he was pushed out at Baylor. He has flirted with jobs, Michael Smith. He's flirted with jobs. People have talked with him about jobs. There's a little bit of a stir, and then he backs away, or somebody backs away from him. That happened in the CFL. Pushback, uh, sorry, uh, offer is no good here. Grambling, they offered, he takes the job, he says, I don't want to be a distraction, he backs away. Uh, also, another college football job a couple years ago. They wanted to bring him in, pushback, nah, we can't let this happen. And Art Bryles, once again, is out there and he is now six years past, six years past his ouster at Baylor, and we're still talking about him and still saying that maybe he's not employable. I mean, is that really what it comes down to for, for Art Riles? I don't think it should be like that for anybody. Uh, for, for, no, I shouldn't say anybody. I don't think it should be like that for Art Riles. I don't think Art Riles should be an unemployable offensive coordinator at Grambling. I think uh, I think that's a bit much. And I know I know what all of the serious allegations and I take those uh, allegations and those those realities those findings. I take those things seriously. But I also take redemption seriously. And I are, are we saying that Mike are we saying that Art Bryles, it's just Art Bryles. Is it people on Art Bryles' staff? Should the entire coaching staff that he led, should they also be prevented from coaching again? Like, how far do we want to extend this thing? How about the players? How about some of the players that he protected? Should they, should they not coach? Should they not play? Like, how, how, how deep, how deep does that circle get where we look, we look to everybody who knew something at Baylor and then we shut down their employability in perpetuity. I don't know. I'm just not comfortable with it. Well, I'm more than comfortable with it. Um, I think one can be redeemed. One can be forgiven. Um, but you don't have to be employed. You don't have to coach football again. You don't have Why to. Those, those, two things could, those two things can be mutually exclusive. Okay? He can be redeemed so by the blood of the lamb. He can be forgiven. But he doesn't have I mean, to be your football coach. coach. I told but you yesterday. The, he, clearly, he, nothing changed. He has coach. not shown any contrition. He has not shown any true remorse for you asked yesterday. What did he do wrong? That's the point. He didn't do jack. He didn't do anything. He enabled and used to use the word a second ago protected a culture of sexual assault and has not been accountable for it beyond be having having to resign. He has not said nor done the right things that would make anybody feel good about hiring Art Bryles. It's also just too soon. Why is he entitled well, to a Jackson, job? You keep Hugh asking Jackson me. Hugh Jackson felt good about it. Hugh Jackson felt good dumb. about it. You said anybody. Which, which was dumb. dumb. 
Because the last person who felt good about it, he had to resign. You just laid it out. How many times we got to see this happen before somebody did? Why would he? Why Hugh Jackson sit up here saying, "Oh, this will go well. This will go over well. I'm gonna go hot." You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna do what nobody else has thought to do since 2016. I'm gonna hire Art Bryles. And, and nobody's going to say anything because I am the arbiter of forgiveness. I am the arbiter of, re of retribution. I am the arbor of redemption. Arbiter of redemption. You don't have to, and nobody's going to complain. Only for, only for him to resign amid the backlash, which how many people have to make a mistake before you decide I'm not going to make the same mistake they did? What made Hugh Jackson and Grambling above reproach when it comes to hiring a guy who is radioactive? That was my point yesterday. Even if everybody should feel like you feel, Michael, and I appreciate where you're coming from. I really do. But even if everybody should feel like you feel, still too soon. Still too soon. Ask the victims if they've forgiven Baylor and everybody involved with the culture right. that allowed their lives to be destroyed. So Art Bryles, right. I have no sympathy but, for Art Bryles. I'm not, I don't think Art Bryles should be entitled to a coaching job. He didn't do anything, and he hasn't. He didn't do anything. He had a chance to do something, think, and he hasn't done anything think since entitled. then. And it is never too late to do the right thing, except when you were wrongheaded to begin with. Not you talking about Grambling. You were no, wrongheaded to begin it. with. Look, I don't think anybody's entitled to a job, anybody, but I also don't think that he should be barred forever from coaching. Listen. Okay. Well, I, I, if he I, took the requisite as steps. I said, to show true remorse and contrition and show that he understands the gravity of his of his of the, the error of his ways, which he hasn't said or done anything that to my knowledge to suggest that he has, then maybe people would feel better about him getting another opportunity to coach. He but is, right now he is, we're not there. So don't put the don't put the onus on us for somehow being wrong for not being comfortable with our brows having a job as opposed yeah, to the onus being on our brows for making everybody comfortable to, to, to show that he's actually learned from his mistakes. If you want to call him mistakes, he knew exactly what I, he was I don't doing. know if I don't know if he, I don't know if he's learned. I don't know what he's learned. I don't know what his level of contrition is. I don't know that because I do know told us. I, I know this as the head coach as a head coach. It all comes back to you. So it all comes back to you. Even if the reality is there are many people involved. There are many layers involved. Sure. When you're talking about big time coaching, so I'm yeah. sure he had a Ken Starr had I'm to sure resign too. People. I don't know what Ken Starr is I, up to I, these days. I, I'm sure he had a lot of people on his staff who he assigned certain tasks, and sure. he had bad judgment. Bryles did, and they did too. So right. that's that's layer maybe sure. maybe maybe that's maybe that's uh, layer number three or layer number four. But but what I don't like in these in these uh, conversations. Is that we rarely focus on layer one? Layer one. So sure, I you know the cliche is I send my young man to you, Art, and I tell I take my young man and I entrust you to help that young man, uh, that that boy become a man, and you're gonna you're gonna look over him and you're gonna treat him as if you're he's your own son. I got it. I got that. But th let's put the onus on the kid. How about the guy who how about the actual perpetrators? I know Michael. there's an oversight involved. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I know. I know there's a responsibility for a head coach. When you see something, you say something. But 
I want more of a focus on the people who have done crimes. And it's almost like we look for a sure. pound of flesh. We, we, we no, look for you know, a face of like, it, what, what's but it's the, not what, what's the face. What about ism? But, I, but I'm not feeling this whataboutism. The people who, who committed the crimes ain't up the offensive coordinator at Grambling. We ain't talking about them. Ain't nobody hiring them. So what, are we, why, what, what about the kids who actually did it? What about the actual rapists? What about the actual assaulters? Well, right. Right, well, we ain't talking well, about them right now. We ain't talking about that, them. We're talking about our brows. Okay. Like, right. We're talking, we're talking about, about our brows. That's who Gremlin tried to hire. If Gremlin tried to bring Ken Starr as its president, if Gremlin tried to hire uh, a, a convicted rapist, we'd have that conversation too. And you're absolutely right. There, our brows didn't actually commit the crimes in question here, but he fostered an env environment that allowed for those crimes to run rampant. So I don't, we don't need to like talk about the, 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 the a number of, of what was it 50 something rapes. I had it in front of me yesterday. I, I'm gonna get the number wrong. There were there were a, a, an egregious number of sexual assaults committed on Brow's watch. Yes, those individuals deserve more scrutiny. When they up for Absolutely. our offensive coordinator at Grambling, we'll talk about that. My point yesterday, and it remains today, and I'll tell you, I did not have this topic being, uh, us having this much fire around this topic on my bingo card today. Uh, I, I thought it was going to be over after last night. Um, is, just answer me this, and we can go to break off of this, because I'd like to get one more thing in before we bring in our guests, if you don't mind. Just answer me this question. If you're Grambling and you're Hugh Jackson, was it worth it? That's the it, sure. we could di agree to disagree on forgiveness. Was it worth it? Sure. Yes, it was. I do. Yes. Okay. All right. Yes. Because I, I want to know this. What do we need to hear? Do we need a we need a state. We need a do we need tears. Do we, you want something performative from Art Bryles? What do we want from Art Bryles to say? Okay, you have our blessing now. There's no more pushback. You're no longer radioactive. You're no longer toxic. Is it a statement? Is it community service? What is it? it so it, it, it was it, worth it because we are standing in judgment where we shouldn't. You're saying it was worth no, it for no, them to no, hire. No. It was worth all this trouble. No. So why was it worth it though? Why was it worth it? Why, why was this juice worth the squeeze? Because you're grambling. You're grambling. You're not hiring Art Bryles as your head coach. You got a head coach who's who you think is a great decision maker. And he tried to bring in a coach who is the best offensive coordinator on the market. He is. I, I, is we he? don't like him. Okay, fine. He is. He is. Based on his record, based on his production, based on his credentials, Grambling. So. If, if if you're not talking about if you're not talking about all the things that are that come with him, if you're talking about the coach himself, his ability to coach football. Yeah, for Grambling, they're not going to have anybody else like this. There's nobody like this on the market. So yeah, he was the best so coach. So if that's what's if that's what what's most important to, to you, okay. So if we're just talking about X's and O's, that's what's most you, important that, to you. And that's if, what that's the problem. But that's the problem. But that's the problem. I just say it's more than that. But, but I'm telling you, and just like I said yesterday, for Hugh Jackson, and I haven't spoken with Hugh Jackson about this, but just from afar, and if I'm totally wrong, okay, Hugh, uh -huh. clean it up. Uh -huh. Three thirty-six and one informs everything that he does. Three, okay, and, and, and you know what? The, so you know what this is called? And it is about winning for him. It's about you know winning. what last night's resig, but you know what last night's resignation says? This is an error in judgment. Number one and number two, the honeymoon that saw him usher in an unprecedented name, image, and likeness deal for Grambling is now over. Already, before he even coached the game, I say again, was it worth it?
and that's rhetorical. Let's go ahead and take this break. Wow. Tom is a special player, special person. We've had a great two years here. Um, right now, we're, you know, trying to make our plans to move forward, um, if that's the case that we need to move forward on. And, um, you know, there's a lot of things that we still have to give. There's a lot of time here, well, a couple weeks before free agency starts. you got the draft. you got post-draft. We've added players after the draft in the past, some significant impact players after the draft and after free agency. So um, we're still in that process right now. Yeah. Do you have your phone with you? Because I think we should FaceTime Brady and just not not beg, not plead, but you and I are pretty convincing guys. You've convinced really big name free agents to come. I have convinced Kay and Kyle to drink coffee in the morning at ungodly hours. Do you think maybe we could put him on? We'll see what the future holds. Well, let's just say we'll leave the light on. Is there hope? Honestly, is the light on? Is there hope? We always leave the light on for a guy yeah. like Tom Brady. That's it. Motel six. Well, Jason Light says uh, the light is on for Tom Brady. Surprise, surprise. Uh, only the greatest quarterback, greatest player in NFL history. Said he retired. He said it. Uh, I don't know about you, Mike. I don't believe him. I think out of all the options. I told you I did. Tom Brady. I, tell, I don't that, know about you. Now, How many now, times now, have I told you he wasn't retired? Were you being sarcastic just goodness. now? <laughs> yeah, look. Tom Brady, all the things on the table. Amazon's interested. Somebody else interested. Be our analyst. Dolphins interested. Be our quarterback. Have a be our part owner. And then uh, retirement. I think retirement actually seems laughable now. What's going on with Tom Brady? It's just I, 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 just, I just think why make the announcement? Why make the announcement at all? Do, do an Aaron Rodgers. Doing Aaron Rodgers and say, I'll, I'll make a decision soon. I'm going to take some time. I need to relax. Season just ended. Uh, it's not even March yet. That's didn't I already explain all this to you. Didn't I already explain all this? It's not even March yet. From from from, oh, you day, talked to him. from before from before it happened. No, I didn't talk to him, but everything that's happened is supported what I said before it happened and since it happened. All of it's adding up to everything I said from day one, which was Remember before remember before his last game remember before his last game you told me that he knew it's like you don't you remember right. we had we had a, a one of our patented passionate arguments he was like oh he knows yeah. you don't play a whole season and not know he has he has an indication of which way he's leaning and he's going to retire is what you told me before the Rams lost I said nope he doesn't know yeah. I said he's been locked in on this season he doesn't know he's not he's, he's there's no way he's certain there's no way he's got one foot out the door and performing like this mm -hmm. he's not wired that way okay so he loses against the Rams there is the sloppy breaking of the news on that infamous Saturday. The oh, retraction or, or deletion of the tweet from his own company that was congratulating him on a great career. And everybody on Team Brady from Pops to Bruce Arians saying, we haven't heard anything. He's not retired. Only for somebody with his own production company somebody who has incredible hype videos for a week seven game to drop the most basic of Instagram announcements on Monday after the conference championship game. So like I said, then I'll say it again. It was rushed and sloppy for whatever reason. My, my inclination, my instinct being he made a promise to his family that this was it. 
that's always been my inclination well, that he was being pulled into retirement or pushed in ret retirement if you prefer and he never really wanted to and nothing that's happened since has changed my mind from his going on his own. He probably scooped his own podcast. I'm sorry, it was a Tuesday. He did. The Monday night, remember but we laughed when he, when he scooped his own podcast. That Tuesday, terrible. he came out with the Instagram post the next morning. It was all rushed. It was all hurried. He just celebrated his anniversary, happy anniversary. He, he was yeah. told, it's time for you to go on to be a family man. The football player is still wired to play football. The football player okay. is not, has, has, has not, adequately as much as he's got going on in the rest of his life has not adequately prepared for this reality. So everything that's happened since then supports the fact that he's still torn about whether or not he actually wants to walk away from the game. He may still take a sabbatical, but he's not retired until it's impossible for him to play, which is not for a few more years. All right. See, but now 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 we're getting into deep waters here. Uh, it, it's uh, we need a couple lifeguards around. Because this 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 could get uh, this could get a little little dicey. You say you think it was a promise to his family, a promise. It's my guess. It's my hunch. No, right, right. I know it's a guess, and I'm guessing too. It's a promise to the family. Then how's this playing at the kitchen table right now? I mean, if you make a promise to your family that you're going to retire, and then you come back a week later and say, "I never say never." And then you got speculation that, hey, you know, maybe he's not done playing. Maybe he's going to do this. Maybe he's going to do that. That's not really a fulfillment of a promise. So I'm wondering how that plays if you had an agreement that you were going to put depends this retirement on, announcement out there. All right, let's get real personal. Announcement out there. It depends right. on how let's he's get, performing. It depends on how he's performing right now. It depends on how he's performing as a father and as a husband. And I have no reason to believe that he's not performing fantastically in both roles. So if he is having a great time in retirement right now with Giselle and the kids, then it's probably playing all good. They're probably not really paying attention to a lot of the speculation, even though he's fed into the speculation in his own subtle ways. So if you're the Bucks or anybody else for that matter, you're snooping around, hitting him with the you up text, trying to say, yo, man, you serious? You for real? Because they all know how Brady's wired. And again, and I can't even blame him for being wishy-washy about this. This is unprecedented. Who's played this, this long, this well, and then willingly walked away? So there's no manual to this. There's no script to this. His body is fine. Right. His mind's still in it. His heart is still in it. Like I told you before the NFC Championship game, why wouldn't he be torn? Wouldn't you be torn? As much as you love your wife and children, Michael, if for whatever reason you had to stop only told you these books are taking too much of you from us and you had to stop right. writing. Amen. Are you going to all of a Lord, sudden just mercy. decide? Are you all of a sudden just going to be like, okay, I'm over being a writer. Is it just is only it just like you. that? Only please is it is it, is it is it no, but I'm saying but is it just like that? Or are you still going to have it yeah. in your in your DNA in your system? Like right. I'm an author. It's my calling. It's my purpose and all of a sudden at my right. peak. I'm walking away damn straight. You better leave the light on. You know, he might be sleeping on the couch, so he may need a place to stay literally, but you, yeah, you should definitely yeah, leave the light on because I believe he's done when I see it. Yeah, man, I, I, I think uh, I'm sorry. The other too close to home, part of it, you look a little rattled. No, 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 no. I was like, <laughs> look, man, I was thinking, if she was, <laughs> was a little now, I'm actually hope if she would say that I'd say, wow, that's good. <laughs> Give me a break. Give me a break. Uh, but I, I think with, with Brady, another interesting dynamic here is what's happened with Tampa. 
you know, he just oh, had yeah. Ali Marpet. The roster looks different. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he retired. Uh, they got some free agents. We don't know what's going to happen with those yeah. free agents. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Is it's that, that right? And so, does he go back there? And if he I've been told you he's a 49er. I've been told you that's the end game. I, I told no, you that they don't want him. long time ago. Long they time ago. Why they wouldn't want they want Tom Brady? Okay. Uh, well, start off with the fact him. he's 40. Because that's so be sad at quarterback. That's so sad yeah, at yeah, quarterback. Yeah, you got 45. Yeah. Oh, oh I, I, even, I even brought this up. I ain't even brought this up. There's plenty of other people what? now. You notice. You notice again. Listen to me now. Believe me later on. Whatever. Like, notice that plenty of people out there saying, "Oh, Jimmy Garoppolo. It's not a done deal that he's going to San Francisco." Just saying. By the way, how about Brady the actor? You remember Nine to Five? One of my favorite movies growing up with Dabney Coleman, um, right? Uh, Dolly yeah. Parton, Lily Tomlin, Dolly Parton, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, right. And uh, Jane Fonda. Man, he got a movie coming out with Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda. You saw that? Brady, I see that. Now. I see that. That, 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 all that, over the place. that. that seems like, and that don't even mean he's retiring. You can make movies and play and at the same how, time as LeBron. And that's not even his first rodeo. He's been in movies. We've had some tough years here. But when we finally got to do the special things we always talked about, you want to make sure that you can share that with the community. Everyone freaks out, goes crazy. One of the times we didn't even talk. They were screaming the entire time. We're like, all right, game ball, here it is. Just seeing how much it means to them. Not that we need any added motivation, but it sure doesn't hurt. All right, it's awesome That's to be right. joined by uh, Zach Taylor, man. Look at our coach, Michael. This is our coach, Zach Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> Good to see you, coach. How are you? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, th awesome. thanks for coming on. Yeah, I know you're uh, you're out there at the combine and uh, moving on to the getting ready for the 2022 uh, NFL season. But I'm wondering, uh, I'm sure you've been asked this, but now now that you had a little bit of a dis distance from it, how long did it take you to get through the, through the Super Bowl tape, and what were some of the observations? that you took away after you saw that film? Well, you know, you just run through it once initially to make sure uh, you remembered it correctly because um, it's certainly an emotional game when, when you go through the whole process, the two weeks leading up to it, the game itself, and then it turns out the way it does there at the last minute. And, and the bottom line is it just came down to, you know, one more stop, one more score, one better play call, whatever you want to look at. And that's really the story of the playoffs in general. You know, that could have happened to us the first game against the Raiders, second game against the Titans, third game against the Chiefs. You know, it happened to go not our way in the Super Bowl. And, um, you know, that's something we got to live with and, and let it motivate us going into next season. I'm sure you're familiar with the history of teams making the Super Bowl and not reaching the playoffs the following season. So I wonder, to Michael's point about reviewing the Super Bowl, the quick turnaround to the offseason for you, where are you emotionally as well as your franchise when it comes to that turning the page process and putting the way the season ended or just the remarkable season you had in general, putting that in the rear view and turning the page? Where's that process? Yeah, 
Well, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. You know, it's something that we're only two weeks from the game, and and there's certainly things that pop up in your head that that uh, you wish would have gone differently. Uh, but that's just, hey, that's life in pro football, and we got to pick ourselves up and move on. And uh, we got a really good team coming back. We got some guys whose contracts are up that, that we got to continue to work through, and then we got to get focused on this draft and and make sure that we, you know, we're ready to, to hit the ground running with the 2022 season. I expect that we will be. I think we got some young, hungry players. We got some vets that are around that uh, that, that that know what it tastes like to get so close and want another stab at it. So I feel good about where our team's going to be when they show back up in May and June for the off-season program, and that uh, you know we'll be able to put our best foot forward coming up for the next season. Okay. Indulge me for a second. Last last thing about the Super Bowl before we turn the page and look at this offseason process for you. Is there a moment or second a play last or thing. a call? Second and last thing. Well, you do it. We're not going we're not, we're not to make him rehash the whole thing. One of us got to do it. Yeah, you want it, Michael? You either okay, do it or I'll do it. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. This is the last one, Coach. Then we talk about the offseason. Is there a moment or call or, 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 or situation that you keep replaying in your mind's eye in particular? You say that it's, it's only two. It's the whole. That's still fresh. You know, it real, really is the whole thing. Um, you know, and I, I think the second half usually stands out more. We get an interception, and when we only answer with three points instead of seven points, and and in that case, you'd be up, you know, twenty-four to thirteen. Or, of course, the last drive of the game. What could I have done to put our team in a better position there? So, uh, those are the things. You know, you beat yourself up pretty good after every single loss you have, and uh, the Super Bowl is certainly no different. You know, I, I was uh, I was I was struck by your acronym that you have for your team fat. Let me make sure I get this right. <laughs> Physical, hungry, accountable teammate who does the right thing. Is that is that what it is for the uh, Bengals? Who's, who's willing to do whatever it takes to get the job done. Yep. P.H.A.T. Physical, hungry, accountable teammate who's willing to do whatever it takes to get the job done. Yeah. And if you get that I wrong in a that. team meeting, man, you're going to hear about it for a while. So <laughs> those rookies got to get sure. on point real fast. They learned that early in training camp. So that, that was that was that was my first crack at it, uh, you know, in, in front of a live audience. So you know, I, I, I like the rookies. I got to practice. I got to practice in the playbook a little bit before I go and do it for a team meeting. But I'm wondering, you came up with that, and we know what the history is of the Bengals. And when you went, we showed the clip of you going to the bar after the playoff win over the Raiders and saying, "Hey, this is the first of many." The culture with the Bengals, we all know that story. How much was that? How much did that factor into? Maybe your interview process with Cincinnati, maybe the first year with Cincinnati of just, hey, I've got to do something to turn this around. Did you even did you think that way or or just go along those lines when it came to trying to shift that culture? Uh, yeah, not, not necessarily. There had been some great teams that came before us, you know, and and just just one play, just like the Super Bowl didn't go their way and, and you don't want a playoff game, but um, coming from Los Angeles certainly affected me. I saw it done for two years, a way that I believed in, a way that had gotten a team to the Super Bowl, you know, with the, the, the plan that Sean implemented there and the coaches got on board, the players got on board. And so I believed in it. Uh, that probably shown through in my interview when I interviewed for the Bengals job. And, um, you know, you walk in there and you do your best to implement that plan. Also make it the Cincinnati way at the same time, you know. And, and so uh, got a lot of great leadership that's in that locker room there that, believed in what we were doing we added the right pieces and then sure enough here in year three we had a chance to to make the run that we did and pardon us uh, our our rudeness where our manners congratulations on the on the contract extension uh speaking of getting a job you're keeping a job for a while longer um not that there was any question after the season you just had of course but to that end and to that that fat acronym 
now that you have put in place the kind of guys and the kind of culture uh, that you want, the winning environment that you're trying to build in, in Cincinnati, what's the process like this offseason in particular, whether it's the draft or free agency or trades or what have you? What kind of guys are you looking for? Is it just more of the same kind of guys? Is it, does it change a little bit, given that you've now established a winning culture? What's the DNA and the profile of the player that you're scouting at the scouting combine and in free agency as we embark on a new league year? Yeah, it, it, it remains unchanged. You know, we want uh, players with a lot of talent but have the right character. And we only really want guys in the building that love football and are willing to do whatever it takes. You know, they love the process. They love practicing. They love spending time with their teammates uh, because it's not just about going on the field on Sunday and having fun there. You know, you got to be able to grind through the process. We just went through a seven-month season, the longest in NFL history. And if you're not built of the right stuff, then I don't care if you're talented, you're not going to survive it. And, and when we need you the most, you're not going to be ready for that. So, again, that's what Duke Tobin and his staff do a great job of, of digging through the backgrounds of these guys, getting to know them through these interview processes. For the coaching staff, this is really our first opportunity this week at the Combine to get in front of those guys and um, do our best to, to get a sense of what they are about and really dig into that for the next two months and make sure that we're selecting the right guys. Speaking of selecting the right guys, there's a lot, a lot of people – that feel like it's real simple for you guys this offseason. Offensive line. Mm-hmm. Just upgrade the offensive line. Why <laughs> is it not that simple in your opinion? Why is it a little is it more complicated and nuanced than that? Well, we want to make sure we're doing what's best for the team, you know, and so we'll address every single position. We want to make sure that we're better in every single area. Um, so when we get back to those moments we had a couple weeks ago, we're ready to finish it off. And, you know, our offensive line certainly takes a lot of heat, but at the same time, we had – we had two receivers over 1,000 yards. Joe had one of the highest uh, quarterback ratings in all of football. We had a 1,000-yard rusher. Um, that's not done behind a lineman that don't know what they're doing and, and aren't doing a good job. you know. And so mm-hmm. um, certainly there's some things that we got to improve in across the board as a team. And uh, you know, so we'll spend these next two months making sure we're doing a great job evaluating everything and uh, being able to put ourselves in a position to, to be successful next year. Uh, Coach, I'm going to tell you the story. I've known my uh, co-host, Michael Smith, here. I've known him since 1999. So, what's that, 23 years. <laughs> so, you, you, didn't, you didn't get the subtlety of what he said. When he said a lot of people qu- say just upgrade the offensive line, what he really was saying was me. Because we had a, one of our biggest debates, I'll tell you, was over Penny Sewell versus Jamar Chase. I was all Penny Sewell. What are the Bengals doing? This is crazy. This is a typical Bengals mistake, and we know uh, one of us was right and one of us uh, was wrong. What was your, uh, uh, what were some of the internal debates? And probably weren't as personal as our our debates, but what were some of the internal debates when it came to you guys over Sewell versus Chase? That there wasn't a bad pick to be had. Those are two really good players, you know, and and uh, there's not a wrong decision to be made there. Um, you just look at uh, – we thought Jamar Chase was, was a tremendous receiver. He wasn't uh, just a normal fifth pick in the draft because he happened to be the top receiver in the draft class. Like this guy was a he's – a, he's a top, you know, top pick really um, in any class going forward or, or that came before him. And so we just thought that he was a special talent, a rare talent that we couldn't let pass us by. Um, he was going to pair really well with Joe. He was going to really complement what we already had in that receiver room with T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd and – um, you know, we really felt like that would put us in attack mode as we went and played a lot of the teams that had been attacking us over the last two years. Um, we were going to have to make them really defend some of the weapons that we had. 
You referenced a moment ago the, uh, the, the personnel department and the job that they've done uh, building this roster. They've also taken a lot of heat for their relative small size, smallest scouting department in the league, as the organization is well aware. A lot of people talk about that. You guys as coaches have a, a, a larger-than-usual hand in the scouting process or, or more of a simpatico with the personnel department than maybe some other coaching uh, staffs have. So with that in mind, what have these last couple of weeks been like for you as you, again, try to turn the page from the Super Bowl, look back at last season, but I imagine you got a hell of a lot of catching up to do when it comes to your role in the scouting process from going into the combine into the draft. Yeah, that, that, to be honest with you, it starts this week. Um, we we went, came off seven months, and to turn around and jump right into to watching 400 college prospects probably wasn't the smartest thing for us to be able to be effective over these next two months. So we trust the work that Duke and his staff have done. Uh, they're going to start catching us up, you know, really starting now. And, and certainly there, there's a lot of work on the coaching side we got to do to get up to speed. But, um, again, just having a lot of faith in Duke and, and Mike Potts and that staff there that – uh, they've, they've done a lot of the grunt work, a lot of the leg work. They'll catch us up to speed, and, and we'll be able to put together another great class. But it's safe to say that you guys are much happier drafting at the bottom than where traditionally yeah. you guys have been drafting the last few years. It's kind of nice to be waiting, waiting for the board to come to you, right? Yeah, there, there's no question. And it's not – we picked first uh, two years ago. And we picked 33rd, and that's where we got T. Higgins. And so now we're 31st. And so, yeah, we don't get that number one pick, uh, which, which I'm not upset about. Uh, but, but we've picked, you know, in this area two years ago, and we're able to get a, a yeah. player that we think has got a, a tremendous future in this league in T. Higgins. And so um, we, we know what it was like to, to know who the number one pick was well before the draft clock started and start getting ready for that 33rd pick. And so this, this isn't as, as, as different as that was two yeah. years ago. Let, the, let that be somebody well, else's problem, right, Mike? <laughs> that's right. Well, well Coach, I, I know you got to get going, but I know uh, just before we let you go, I want to point out that clearly you have an eye for talent. You've talked about some of the talented guys on your roster, uh, T. Higgins, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, uh, and there are many others. I'm wondering if you could just do us a solid before you go. Uh, we want to show you a prospect and just get your, just your quick thoughts about this pro- You know, what about his movement? Uh, how fast is he? What kind of arm does he have? What do, what do you think about this guy here? Do you think he's got a future? He looks like he gained 12 pounds too quickly after the season. You know, he had a goal to get to 217 from 205, and he added it the wrong way. I can tell you that much right there. But, uh, you know, he's throwing that curl route on five and one hitch. He's got a history throwing from under center, so it wasn't foreign to him at the combine. Uh, but, but not quite good enough to get drafted, you know. And I remember I ran the 40. Uh, I had a goal to break five seconds. I broke. I, I ran the forty. I turned around. I looked at the guy at the, the clock, and I just said, "Was it under five? And he shook his head, "No." And and I knew that my chances were probably going to be limited from there. And, and that's about how it shook out. I think hey, it's a those shorts, though. I mean, those things touch my ankles. That's that's a bad look right there. <laughs> right, Somebody should grab me shirt before too. I went the shirt's too big. You weren't that chunky. The, sh- <laughs> yeah. the shirt was too big. That, 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 that was the problem. I appreciate that. I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> we were yeah. all listen. We were all prisoners of the moment. We all just that was the time. Everybody had to. It was a baggy look. Yeah, that was that was. A how thing, do you erase man. something from the internet? I need to. I need to do a quick Google search on how you erase something oh, from the internet. Well, what, listen, when you find out, let us know. But thank you so much for we'll the time. You got to hit. Uh, head to the podium at the Scouting Combine. We appreciate you blessing the show. Continued success. Again, congratulations to you and your family on the extension. And um, we know the Bengals are here to stay, so we'll be seeing a lot more of you in the coming years. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Thanks a lot, guys. All right, take care. Thank you, Zach. (laughs) 
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Well, look who's here. Uh, the stranger that is Monica McNutt, uh, frankly, overdressed for this here program. Uh, we don't know what you got, where you coming from or where you going, but uh, <laughs> uh, maybe you're still in all-star, all-star weekend mode. Maybe you still, maybe. you know, you still get going through those outfits that you did not wear on the scene in Cleveland. Is that, is that what this is? So what I mean, do we know? It's just a little... You know, the trend is to have a little action up here. I promise it's just a little sweater. It ain't even really that cute. I had to put some makeup on my chest because I didn't want to look not tan. So, yeah, here we are. Ah, okay. So, that, that, yeah. So, okay. is, is that the trend for the fellas, too? Is that the trend for the fellas? I need to get you that know going, what? too. You Holly, Let's, if you want a little slit, are you ready? I mean, why not? Do your thing. All right, but let's right, uh, maybe. but let's let's go back to Cleveland. It's so good to see you, by the way. Uh, it's been a long time. It's good time. to see y'all. Um, uh, let's go back to Cleveland, where you were uh, covering All Star mm-hmm. Weekend, um, and a big com- topic of conversation there was uh, LeBron volunteering that a return to Cleveland could be in his future. And I think uh, I saw you quoted. Did you go on Bowles podcast? You go on the right time, and, uh, I did and so that you thought LeBron that you thought LeBron would finish his career in Cleveland. And I want to ask you, look, maybe this has already been put out there. I'm sure it has by somebody. But as I saw it, uh, you know, the, the story blowing up, the first thing came to my mind, Monica, was why that's awfully presumptuous. Because if I'm the Cavaliers, I'm like, nah, we straight. Like, we're good. Yeah. Like, I mean, you, you're our favorite son, and, 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 and Cleveland, this is for you, and thank you for all you did. But we've moved on, and we don't need you and all that you bring with this team that's going to the playoffs without you. So if I'm the Cavaliers, I'm not interested in another LeBron James reunion. Am I tripping? Uh, You're not tripping, but there's two things that have happened since I made those comments. One, LeBron claims he wants to finish his career as a Laker. We can only take that for face value. But I don't think I would have had that thought if I had not been in Cleveland to see the reception that he has there. Like, Mm. I don't know if y'all could hear the ovation for the All-Star game. Like, they still love him. I told the little story on Bo's pod about one of the security guards that said that he's the king of Cleveland and Kobe will always be the king of L.A. I think in his mind he's going to finish a Laker, but I have not heard him emphatically close that door. Now, to your point about this young core that is developing, while that is true, have you looked at LeBron James? And so I think there will always be... Yeah, there will always be an argument that he will make a team better. And we often have this conversation about the balance between youth and a veteran when it comes to advancing in the playoffs and an opportunity to actually win. It will certainly cost Cleveland something, but I don't think it costs them the entire court unless he decides to do it uh, via free agency because he did point out when talking about his son that it wouldn't be about money. So does that become the larger play to bring him back to Cleveland? I really appreciate you giving that inside in, in, inside insight, if you will. But I'm not necessarily talking about them sacrificing players to acquire him. And you're right. We take what he said uh, at face value that his intent is to finish with the Lakers. But as the facts change, so does everybody's opinion, right? Or so should right. it. What I'm talking about is as great as he is, 
there's a lot that comes with it that if anybody knows it's the Cavaliers as an organization. So if you bring in LeBron, even at this advanced age, you're not only on his timeline and operating on his program, but you are doing things his way, whether it's from a personnel standpoint, a culture standpoint, and there may be some congruency there. I just look at it as Cleveland is doing more than okay without LeBron. It was great the first time. It was even better the second time. As much as he, they may still love him from a, as a fan base, as a community, if you're the Cavaliers, build this team the way that you're building it now around Evan Mobley and Darius Garland, and don't try to get that old thing back. Let that be H-Town. I, I, listen, I think two things can be true. Ultimately, we know that LeBron drives revenue in many ways, and when you get a lot, so comes a lot, or heavy as the head that wears a crown, whichever analogy you want to use. Um, I don't entirely disagree with you, Mike, but I think, like I said, I think two things can be true, and it just depends on what Dan Gilbert and those guys want to do, and LeBron, of course, obviously. Yeah. What do you think is going on with LeBron's current love? Now, we know the old flame. I don't think there's going to be a third time in Cleveland, but the current love, the Lakers, a lot of stories, a lot of whispering. Hey, you know, a lot of sources say, what, what, like, what's really going on with the Lakers? And do you think that specifically, you think that that LeBron was comfortable with this team being put together, and now that it's kind of dissolving or disintegrating, he's trying to stand back from it? Or do you see something else? Holly, I will tell you this: what's going on is they stink, and that's not new. <laughs> that's not new, right? Um, I do find it interesting. And not particularly in regards to the construction of this roster, but every now and again, LeBron will be like, I don't know why y'all took that that way, as if we all don't have microphones and listen multiple times to things that he says to read the so-called tea leaves. Um, I have not heard him not take responsibility, and by all accounts, you know, Rich Paul has chimed in here or there. There's a lot that needs to be addressed there. I guess I'm most disappointed in the fact that they actually thought it was going to work. Um, I think that Russell Westbrook has unfairly become a scapegoat in this scenario. Has he been his best self? No. But at any point in his career, has he proven to do what the Lakers allegedly wanted him to do? And supposedly yesterday, George Sedano said that they wanted him to be Dwayne Wade in, in his latter years. And he's just not that. Um, we all know that LeBron has thrived when he has shooting around him. Russ was not a shooter. Like, I just don't understand why the thought was that this was going to work. Now, I will say... Somewhere in my mind, I'm like, it's these veterans that want to win. They understand the cost and the opportunity. They'll figure it out. But I think when you really get into that roster, there were not enough shooters, quite honestly. Young shooters, 3 and D guys, to support those guys figuring it out. And so here we are. I will say this. If they drop a big-time L over the weekend to the Warriors, I wouldn't be surprised, and I would almost not be mad if LeBron decided to shut it down for the rest of the year. Yeah, look, maybe or tonight for that matter. I mean, they got the Mavericks, yeah. so uh, we'll see if, if rock bottom is even lower than we thought. Um, on the opposite end of the spectrum, uh, you worked the sideline for the uh, Utah Phoenix game the other night in which the Jazz won. What was your biggest takeaway specifically about Utah? Let's, all right, let's, let's get some more love to Utah because, I mean, I think we all, Phoenix oh. is a defending <laughs> conference champion. We think they'll be there at the end once Chris Paul especially comes back healthy. We kind of know with Phoenix, Utah, there's still more questions. What was your biggest takeaway about the Jazz seeing them up close? They're healthy and they're not the team that we think they are right now. Um, I think the Rudy Gobert, DeAndre Ayton matchup was a lot of fun. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, healthy in the way that he's able to knock down threes through contact. I want to say he had 
two four-point plays in that ball game. I think health is legitimately wealth when it comes to Utah Jazz. And we have our coaches' meetings in advance. And Quinn Snyder pointed out sort of the road that they've had. And I think in their playoff runs, people forget a little bit about injuries. And not that he was making excuses, but we've not really seen the healthiest version of the Utah Jazz late into a season and deep into a playoff run. And so whether you argue about Rigo Bear as an all-star in terms of entertainment value, there's not quite anyone in the league that does what he does defensively. I think that they've gotten quicker and a little bit more athletic. I mean, you hate to see um, Joe Ingles get traded, but at the same time, you look at some of those young guys that they've got, um, whose names I'm blanking on right now, the kid from OKC and a couple other guys, but they are willing to defend, and they have a little bit more lateral quickness and movement, which helps take some of that pressure off of Rudy Gobert. I think in the fourth quarter, when they started to make, or actually in the third quarter, when they made the adjustments and you saw them getting back defensively and pushing the ball offensively, not into an entirely into a set, but into good shots for them, it was kind of like, ooh, wait a minute, where, where has this team been? Let's make, a, let's make a hard left turn. From Utah okay. to New York City, which nobody has ever said from Utah to New York City. But really, I, I, I've heard of uh, Monica. I've heard of teams saying or, or fans saying, oh, it's a team. It's a trade that helped both teams. And they say it. Yeah, okay, not a lot of passion, but I can't remember the last time two fan bases were like, yeah, yeah, this is what I'm talking about. The Nets are thrilled. They got, you know, hey, hey, Kyrie, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant coming back, Ben Simmons. He gets over the back problem and Philadelphia is ecstatic. They got Ben Simmons in Brooklyn and they got James Harden. What say you? I mean, if you look at like both of these franchises, both of these teams, which one are you most impressed with? Uh, right this second, Memphis has their pieces in play. Not Memphis, excuse me. Philadelphia has their pieces in play. But I think big picture in terms of opening up a window and should they be healthy this year? It's the Nets, man. Like, I think the Nets won this deal. And as much as Ben Simmons was sort of a centerpiece in this conversation, Seth Curry, y'all, Andre Drummond, who is still can be, maybe not 20 points, but can still be a 20 rebound guy. And on a good night, he could be a 20 and 20 guy. And so the Nets got better on both sides of the ball. And even their roster prior to the trade, I felt like if you could keep one of those two big three together, they were that spectacular of basketball players. Now, depending on what happens with the mandate in New York, plus, to your point, a healthy Ben Simmons, if he can get past his back injury. And then Patty Mills was shooting 40%, close to 40% from three. Seth Curry shooting 40% from three. You give me all that shooting and the ability to push pace, they don't ever have to set up in a half-court set if they can get rebounds and get down the floor. Um, and so I think for Philly, the window is going to be tighter because knock on wood, Joel still has a history of injuries. And we don't know how this hamstring play plays out for... Um, James Harden moving forward. And so they, to me, have a tighter window to get it done and less from oh, No, no, you can't do that. Hold on, you can't do that. You can't do I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let do you what? do that. I'm not gonna let you get no, well, well, what, what you just what? did. Oh, oh, you, you got you, you got a James Harden apologist. You, set aside. you got a Harden apologist no, up no, in here right here. No, because yeah, yeah, I because yeah, I'm, I'm now overall I'm feeling the analysis as usual, Monica. However, there was a little okay. bit of inconsistency that I need to call out. Okay. You set go. aside all the availability issues with the Nets. You said if healthy if they're together. Mm -hmm. So that's Durant. That's Kyrie's unvaccinated status and that's mm -hmm. Ben Simmons both physically and mentally. But mm -hmm. then you held a history of injuries for Joel Embiid 
not this year for the most part, and James Harden and his hamstring against them in making your case for the Sixers. But I just want to recap. You're saying that all just on paper, everybody that the Nets got and Harden get, going to the Sixers, you like what the Nets have. Is, is, is your bottom line what I, is what I'm picking up. You like the next that is my home. bottom line. That's my bottom line Smith and I will say this the bigger thing to me is the windows that are unlocked. Give if the Nets can't hold together and guys opt in whatever in the next two years as constructed right. I'm still taking the Nets. Will Philly be a great team? Yes, and that's even if everybody stays healthy. I just think it's more upside on both sides of the ball for the Nets. Both sides is the key because I, I think I saw you say yeah. that uh, defensively you're still skeptical about the Sixers, despite how great they look together on offense. And that's my thing. I'm not. I, I'm, I'm not. I guess I'm a hardened apologist to a certain extent, but uh, what my yeah. analysis of the trade when it first happened was the Nets, and this is where you and I agree, Monica. The Nets got the more perfect fit in terms of what their roster needed, more shooting, and a, a defensive stopper like Simmons and a facilitator like Simmons that yeah. doesn't need the shots that the other guys do if they're on the court. Whereas mm -hmm. the best player in the trade, though, is that guy. The best player in the trade is James Harden. And he's shown that through two yeah. games. Yeah, I, I still agree with you. I will say, and I mean this with the most love in my heart, one of those two games was versus the New York Knicks, who I was very <laughs> proud of for hanging as long as they did hang. Um, and I think the other part that has kind of been dissected is Joel Embiid isn't a set a screen, roll all the way to the basket type of guy. But in those two games, one of the You're things I found really, really curious, well, I've, I've heard different folks say that he would rather pop or operate in the short corner. Oh, sure, not sure. Yeah. That free throw, right? But to me, as I was watching those games, James doesn't necessarily need Joel, right? Like, he's working off of the pick and pop, pick and roll, pick and short roll with a bunch of those guys. And I think we are reminded, because I don't know that we've seen this version of James since, what, first part of last season, maybe? We are reminded right. just how prolific he is as an offensive guy and second in the league in assists. Like, he's more than willing to pass the ball. Right, right. It's, he can play with anybody, <laughs> especially when he's engaged. I think you had a bit of a Freudian slip earlier, Monica, which I appreciated. Because, uh -oh. like, no, because, I mean, you said Memphis, not Memphis. But, like, everybody oh, yeah. is still in awe from what we saw from Ja Morant last night. Uh, Michael and I were give, throwing, him, throwing him his uh -huh. flowers, at, throwing the rose petals at his feet earlier in the yep. show. What was your biggest takeaway from his performance? Really, the last two games. It goes from a career-high 46 on Saturday against Chicago to 52 last night and a handful of, of, of season-worthy highlights. He just will not be denied. And I love that about his personality. You know, we all have listened to plenty of the audio from last night, but he talks about the dunk and how he just wanted revenge because he got held up in a chokehold and didn't get a call. And, like... Play to play, you can see, well, you can't necessarily see it, but play to play, I feel like he is calculating and is a guy that is not going to miss a moment or waste a possession. But I don't think that's just him. Credit Taylor Jenkins in terms of working with this young roster of plenty of talent. I think that they are one of the more deliberate young teams in the league. And that's what we're starting to see. And I just think as much as we hail his athleticism, because it is a thing of beauty, I heard y'all say it in the, in the clips as I came in. He's a beautiful basketball player. He's a very smart basketball player. If the game dictated that, Jai, you don't get the yam on nobody's head in this game, we need you to sit out here and be the facilitator. He's capable of doing that. All right. I, I know I shouldn't do this because I, 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 was, I was talking to somebody earlier today. Zion Williamson, when he uh -oh. was healthy, 
Zion Williamson really had a terrific. I mean, he put up numbers. He's a he's a dynamic player in his own right. You, what, what do you hear? Do you hear any whispers? Anybody pull your side and be like, "Hey, I heard this about Zion." I'm just wondering what's going on with this young man because it's just really um, it's really a sad end to a season that's going to be wasted. The second season think, wasted. Yeah, Holly. I think the things I've heard are probably the same things that you all have heard that it's not solely Zion, but it is also the people around Zion. Um, my biggest concern has been, I'm very much a person who believes you take yourself with you wherever you go. And if this is the commitment level to a small market that you may or may not want to be in, but we don't have a sample size of you in another place to go off of, can I trust that if you wind up in New York, that the commitment will suddenly be birthed and none of this becomes a question. Because to me, what is it? The best indicator of future behavior is past behavior, barring the injury. But there were things other than the injury that folks have questioned in terms of his work ethic um, and willingness to put in the extra hours that every pro does. I mean, you talk to anybody that's been around USA basketball, Kevin Durant is the guy, extra workouts before, after, whenever. And last time I checked, he may or may not need to do that. And so I think that there's a standard of excellence and a almost a quantifiable degree of commitment that dictates sort of your star power over the course of an NBA career. I got one more NBA question to ask, and I guess fittingly saving it for last. Um, we've talked about Brooklyn and Brooklyn's potential. Um, we've talked about Cleveland's present and future. Mm -hmm. We all give props to the defending champion Bucks. Talked about how unstoppable Philly is. DeMar DeRozan is in the MVP conversation and, and came off this historic run. See what I'm getting at? Um, mm -hmm. Am I? I'm just gonna say me. I'm not gonna say people. I'm gonna say me. Am I once again guilty of sleeping on the team that's currently in first place in the Eastern Conference, and that's the Miami Heat? I don't know they if they beat the Bulls are... last night. They did beat the Bulls last night, and I will admit that I was watching that game, waiting for DeMar DeRozan to, to touch the flame or ignite, whatever, and they never happened. So I don't think that we're sleeping on the Heat. I think that the Heat have not been healthy. And so even though the standing said one thing in folks' minds, it's like, oh, well, Jimmy's been in and out, Bam's not playing, like, they've, this is going to fluctuate, right? Um, but now, as they are getting healthy, and I got a shout out to my DC, Maryland, and Virginia dude, Victor Oladipo, who is also <laughs> on his way back soon. Um, I think the Heat are uniquely equipped to match up with both Philly and Milwaukee, should we get to that. And I am nervous for both of those teams. Mm -hmm. mm. Wow. All right. Here's my final question. Okay. And it uh, has to do it has to do with that hat in the background. <laughs> now, uh, I know, I know. Listen, now it hurts, and, and you and you have you've got sweat equity in Georgetown. You got you got the game ball. I just have, I've just been a fan of Georgetown for years, a fan of Patrick Ewing as a player at Georgetown, like his whole career. And you think about the the difference between last year they made a great run, they won the Big East, and then this year. They haven't won a game <laughs> like in the conference. It's so weird. Um, do you think Patrick Ewing, uh, th just simple question. Do you think he will be back? Do you think he should be back as a head coach at, at Georgetown? 
I will be honest with you, Holly, it's hard for me to separate my heart from my head on this one because Big Pat is my dude, like went to school with Lil Pat. I do think that he should have the opportunity to write this ship and the Big East Championship last year should buy him some cachet. However, something has to give, which is not breaking news, right? I'm not sure if there's going to have to be changes on his staff, but the connective tissue, and to be fair, this is not just a Patrick Ewing thing. The connective tissue that allowed Georgetown to tap into that area in terms of its recruiting base, right now that tissue is connected to Villanova, and that literally makes me sick. And so, whatever, however that gets fixed between being able to tap into the area that is Georgetown's backyard and the transfer portal as a positive and not just guys that are leaving the program and going on to be pretty successful, something's got to give. And so I would like to see Big Pat back I do think that there probably have to be some changes made to his staff to create or reestablish that pipeline. And that may not be a one-year deal, but you can't not win. It's a results-driven industry. It's, it's very simple, and it, it hurts my heart. Yo, on the way out, right. I want to get your take. Did you see this story um, about the Liberty being fined a half million dollars, which was reduced from see a million that. dollars on appeal, for having the nerve to charter flights? Uh in violation of the collective bargaining agreement. It, and I, I kind of, I put this in the category of what I like to call doing the right thing for the wrong reasons. Now, other mm-hmm. organizations think they didn't get a, a bad enough penalty. I'm like, the problem is that we're not chartering flights for the WNBA. Is this just a revenue issue? Correct. Or is there something deeper going on here, Monica? Um, I do know that when this most, when the current CBA was negotiated, there was lots of praise around the WNBA. Shout out to Neka Agumake and her role as a leader there. A lot of that hinged on the hotel rooms when traveling and the support for working moms, new moms, working mm-hmm. moms. The two are sort of the same. This issue has been lingering for a while. I know that the Las Vegas own, Raiders owner and the Las Vegas Aces owner, owner who's name is escaping me at the moment, also wanted to put his team on a charter plane, but did not do it because of the CBA. It's hard to say, y'all, because we know the nature of a process or resistance is that you're going to get in trouble, but it's hard to say if this is going to get the result that the Liberty and the rest of the league may want because the CBA is defined for a certain amount of time. And we know that this will be one of the top issues come the next CBA. Um... But if I will say this, if I was a team, a player on another team, if I got to suffer through and work through my legs when I touch down for this game, so do y'all. Like, I hear where you're coming from, but uh, we're not going, no. Uh-uh. Liz <laughs> Cabbage brought attention to it. She's like, so wait a second, you know, um, are Becky Hammond getting a, getting, getting a million dollars, but I got I to gotta pay for my own upgrade? I mean, it's just, it's just something wrong with that picture. And I see the Liberty getting fine. Right. I'm like, bravo, you know, something wrong yeah. with that picture. Yeah. Uh, Monica, we appreciate you. Uh, you got another show to do, obviously. <laughs> Keep making history. Um, well, Keep making history year round. Here, yes. Before What's I get up? out of here, this is the last time I've been on the show since, I don't know, this is my first time this year? Maybe. Been a grip. I have to shout out y'all. Super Bowl. We love to see it. You guys both killed it. I mean, the whole energy, your colleague Maria Taylor, the whole energy. I was like, yes, look at my people. Look at my people. So, y'all look appreciate great. I'm sure you had a blast. Thank you. Thank you Appreciate so much. You. Thank you for the love. Thanks no for blessing problem. the show. I was trying to, we miss you. I was trying to do my trying to do my best, Monica McNutt. Okay, how how <laughs> Monica do it? How she hold this mic? I'm gonna hold the mic like Monica do it. <laughs> get some holes in your shirt, Holly. You can get some holes in your shirt. <laughs> oh yeah. Nah. 
I'll, I'm gonna work on that. That would work. That would work for. That would. I don't. I, that wouldn't work for me. That wouldn't work for me. I'm, uh, you, okay. you can have that. I just. My wardrobe <laughs> is exactly what it should be. <laughs> The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. I don't believe anything anybody's saying right now. So LeBron could say, oh, y'all took my praise for Sam Presti and my I could see anything in the future about going back to Cleveland and I want to play my son. Y'all took all that blue out of proportion. If they miss the playoffs this year, it is open season on the fodder and speculation about LeBron's long-term future. I know he's got one more year with the Lakers, but for him to be like, oh, I'm confident they can build a championship team around me. Based on what? Not this year. And ain't nobody coming with a bailout, brother. Like Kyrie Irving's situation is not analogous to anybody else's in New York City. I'm representing others. No, you're not representing I'm speaking others. for the voiceless. You're, you're not speaking for the voiceless because you're not the proper voice for the voiceless. You don't have their situation. There were a lot of people immediately afterwards. Oh, the Nets won that trade. Nets won that trade. Are you sure? You thought it was a white shirt, but it got tie-dye sometimes in a certain kind of light. Uh, those brown shoes, sometimes they have like a little yellow streak on those brown lace-ups. Those Jordans are like Air Johnson's. Remember those cheap ones? When your parents couldn't afford it. Hello, right here. Couldn't afford to get you the Air Jordans. They get you the Air Johnson's, the Air Jeffersons. You know, they're not quite the real thing. Look, James Harden, the reason you're having those thoughts about James Harden is because He's unreliable. You know what your problem is? You don't let you go. That's your problem. Especially when it comes to That's James Harden. That is pot meat kettle. That is a glass house right. throwing bricks. That oh is takes God. one to no one. That's take out. <laughs> fully acknowledge that. Fully acknowledge that. Uh, you know, it's, it's part of the business. Um, he has a job to do, and, and that's what he was doing. How much have you been in touch with him? Uh, with Eric? With Kyler. Oh, with Kyler? I have not. I have not. Did Eric talk to you about the statement before he put it out? Uh, no. No, we keep those things separately. Um, like I said, we understand it's a business and he's doing his job. From your vantage point, how urgent is that situation to keep your quarterback satisfied? Um, you know, I think all of our long-term term goal here is to have Kyler be our, our quarterback, and he understands that, and he understands my um, view of him and, and how I feel about him. And um, once again, I'm going to refer it back to the business side of things, and that's not something that I, I deal with. But um, it's all part of the business right now and, and things that we'll continue to work through. Bruh. Cut. Bruh. Bruh. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury, I, I really enjoyed that clip. I could watch that all day long because as smooth as Cliff Kingsbury is, really well put together, hair is tight, got the beard game going, everything's you know really good. 
got a nice contrast going with the white dark jacket. He looks uncomfortable. He's uncomfortable talking about it. It's almost like, could y'all ask me something else? Can, I, can we talk about third and 13 anything? <laughs> I just don't want to talk about this anymore. He's uncomfortable. That's one. But Michael Smith, for those who don't know, Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray have the same agent. You mean to tell me I'm the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, the most important player in my organization, the quarterback who was represented by someone I know. My job is tied to the success of this player, and I don't know anything that's going on. I mean, do you? I find that so hard to believe. Do you find it hard to believe that they just keep all those lanes clear? And I, when I talk to you, I'm just talking to you about Cliff business. I'm not talking to you about Kyler business, even though you know some things that I want to know. I don't know. I, I, I think the whole situation is uh, is very odd. Uh, it's a bizarre mix. We talked about it yesterday. It is not sustainable because you just can't operate like this where the head coach says, I'll leave it to the business side. Quarterback doesn't talk. The agent speaks on behalf of the quarterback. And then the owner, Michael Bidwill, says, oh, we want him back. Although the guy you want back says, actions speak louder than words. I'm just trying to untangle this thing. Uh, it's a little messy. How do you see it? I don't think Kingsbury's commentary was all that complicated at all. Um, I wish a coach were comfortable enough, and he seemed quite comfortable to me. I don't see. I wish a coach were actually comfortable enough though to just answer a question with simply, "My name is Paul. That's between y'all. My name is Bennett, and I ain't in it." You know, because that's that's essentially what he said, and it is more than believable that he would keep business matters at a distance. He got his own job security to worry about. Uh, he's got his own late season collapses Man, please. to account please. for. They share the same agent. Why? That's even all the more reason for him to keep a distance because it's like, yo, Kyler, I don't cut the checks. Be mad at Michael Bidwell. Be mad at Steve Kine. We good, right? We straight. You know how I feel about you, but it ain't my money. So, yeah, there Except is a, he said an he appropriate level of distance, right? Except he said he had So, right, that's the point. Don't talk to him. Don't get involved in that. If you're Cliff Kingsbury, you don't want to be in the middle of Kyler Murray versus the organization because that's your employer and your quarterback. You want to, as best talk, as possible, I'm, be the good cop to their bad cop. So there's no reason to discuss to it because Murray at the end period? of the day, what can you do Murray about period, it? What can you do? talk about? What? Talk about anything. Talk about what? Football. Cardinals. The offseason. He may have talked to him about football. He may have talked to him about how not to fall apart in the second half, but as it relates to the contract, which is what he was being asked about, your best bet is to stay out of it. Like, I totally believe that he hasn't talked to Kyler Murray. Because, like, so what, what's he supposed to say to Kyler? Well, you know what? Let me go see if I can get another $10 million out of you. I'll, I'll hit you right back. Let me go talk to Steve. See if I could grease this wheel for you. Like, no, that's so not his me, job. Hold on. So let me let me. Just He's not cutting the okay. checks. I know that. So I, 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 and you I, I and, and, you, you, and you want to keep that at a distance, at a healthy distance. If you're Cliff Kingsbury, I know he can't say I can get you another five million. I can get you another ten. I can do this for you. You don't think that that uh, Cliff Kingsbury has talked to either Kyler okay. Murray. Here's part. Here's part or his two. Agent. If he has, if he has. Why does it behoove okay. him to 
Okay. Share different. that with the rest of us. So if, right. well, I'm okay. saying two things. One, he should. Two, if he has, if he does have some insight from the agent or the player about this negotiation, unlike everybody else so far, whether it's off the record sources or a statement that the agent put out, it would behoove him to not put any that. more business in the street. Okay. Okay. I'm good. In with the that. grand scheme of so, things, though. In the grand yeah. scheme of things, because I think he's talking. I to do him. not see. <laughs> he ain't got to tell if, us. If I, I were him, I would. If I were him, I wouldn't. Because because there's nothing there's nothing talking him is going to do. You're not. You can't talk on behalf of the organization to say, "Hey, Kyler, how about you come down a little bit? Hey, we need you." He ain't, Cliff Kingsbury ain't the first player or the last. All the all Cliff Kingsbury should say is what anybody says when a player is holding out. I'm, I'm worried about the players that are here. Like coaches, most coaches, yeah. especially coaches that don't have personnel authority, don't get involved in contract negotiations. A very complicated contract negotiation. Now, it would be easy to say Kyler should have just played baseball, but I'm not going to say that, especially on a day when the players have rejected the last and final offer from Major League Baseball. So it looks like this five o'clock deadline wasn't worth what yesterday's deadline was worth. It looked like we're going to miss some games, but that's neither here nor there. I would say that. Because Kyler Murray is stuck with a situation when it comes to his rookie contract where he more or less stuck like Chuck. It's like you it's year three. You want to be paid what the top quarterbacks are, are, are making. The organization, understandably so, doesn't see you as an elite quarterback worthy of $40 million or whatever the going rate for top quarterbacks yeah. is. You're still underpaid. You have not only this year under contract, you have the fifth year rookie option and the franchise tag. So the organization has all the leverage, even though you as the player have every right to want to cash in right now. Couldn't if I had to pick want. a side here, that's great. If I had to pick a side here, I would say the Cardinals because Kyler Murray in my evaluation as dynamic as he has shown himself to be at times as promising as he as as promising as his as his potential is has not shown himself to be worthy of the kind of investment that he presumably is demanding and we don't have to cater to those demands right now. Just like we say more than one things can be true. Hell, the player can want all the money he wants. Get your bread, bro. But the organization yeah, yeah, right. has the leverage here and has no reason to give you that money, especially based on your inconsistent body of work so far. Well, I would say the organization has leverage only if the organization um, views making money as the pure uh, the number one objective. It's just making money and not necessarily being competitive. If that's what they want to do say, hey, look, people are going to come through the gates anyway. Uh, we, got, we got X amount of season ticket holders. Uh, checks are not going to bounce. We're good. If, if that's their objective, they have the leverage. But if they want to go to another level, then Kyler Murray has all the leverage in the world. And I think that's the key to any contract negotiation, whether it is uh, in the NFL or in the uh, with the business down the street. I, wish, I once heard a comedian well, say you, this. You, you, you miss it. You miss what you're missing one thing. What's Kyler's alternative? Well, I'm going to get to second. I'll get to that. I'll get to that. But that's a big part of it. If you're saying the organization, no, sure. you say Kyler has all the leverage. He's under contract. And yes, if they want to go back to the market for a quarterback, they do something crazy like Trey Kyler Murray. But 
how do how does he have the leverage when he's got the unfair contract, but the contract nonetheless? That's true. Okay, I'll, I'll get to that in a second. I want I once I once heard a comedian say something that it wasn't all it wasn't necessarily funny, but it was true. It was it it, it spoke to his self awareness. He said I have the ability. He said, look, he said my biggest gift is I go into any room knowing that I'm a six. I'm not an eight. I'm not a four. Mm -hmm. I'm a six and, and, and yeah. I operate knowing that I'm a six and I, I'm good with that. And so with, with Kyler Murray, he knows what he is and he knows what the situation is in Arizona. Let me remind you what it is. I'll tell you why. This is why he has leverage. Cliff Kingsbury, you said earlier, his job's on the line or, you know, you've got to think about at this stage of his career. Where are we going? What's going to happen here? With me, what 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 do they want to see out of me? Because I keep hearing that my teams collapse in the second half of the season. So there are some job security issues with Cliff Kingsbury, uh, Steve Kime, the general manager. They made the playoffs for the first time in five years this year. So they had a five-year drought of not making the playoffs. He went through a, a span a spell. We had one head coach, Steve Wilkes, was one and done. Brought in. Cliff Kingsbury. So if Kingsbury's job's on the line and Wilkes is already gone, then that who's next in line? The general manager. So what is Kyler Murray's? Uh, what is his leverage? No, can he can, can he hold out? Uh, he can hold out. But the number one thing for any top player under contract is all right. If they're not going to redo my deal, I can make it miserable for these people. I can make it miserable. Can you? I'm not doing. Well, I'm yeah. I'm not doing OTAs. How many, how many contract I'm not doing anything have you done? extra. Roughly, roughly how many contract negotiations have, have you done? Quite a bit, right? A lot. Yeah, a lot. Okay. A lot. All right. And again, I, I, I mentioned baseball. Mentioned, I mentioned baseball and those failed negotiations. Yeah. They're pretty apropos reference because here's why. The only true leverage is your ability to walk away. That's the only leverage anybody is, you have. Leverage is options. So if your That's option is, before. I'll go play That's baseball. Happened or I'll retire, or I'll quit, or I won't play, then okay, then now we're talking. That's that's closer to leverage. It's still not actual leverage. Ask Aaron Rodgers about that He's, leverage. Hell, ask Russell Wilson about that leverage. Okay? Ask quarterbacks much more accomplished than Kyler Murray about that leverage. So, here's the, so here's the question. Unless you're going to walk away, or unless you're going to go play baseball, which they ain't playing now anyway, I don't what exactly... Well, okay. Well, if it's not, then he has just like degree. I said. He's got there, no there, leverage. There and you know why he's got no leverage? No, 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 no. You know, you know no. the telltale I, sign as to why he's got no walking leverage? Walking away you know is why? the ultimate leverage. No leverage. You know what screams no leverage? Screams no leverage is putting out a press release. It's taking the negotiations public. It's trying to get public sentiment, the court of public opinion on your side. That screams no leverage in a situation. Again, get. You, I'm gonna say two things that will sound contradictory, Michael, but I think you know me well enough to know. That, I, that that can be consistent, but I could still call this like I see it. Get your money, man. Every like everybody should get paid. Everybody should get your money. I, I will never hate on somebody for wanting their money. But the reality of the situation is what Kyler wants versus what the Cardinals seem to be inclined to pay him. There's enough of a divide here for Kyler to have taken this public first on social media and then through a statement. Neither seem to have moved the needle. So when it's time to play games, unless Kyler Murray is like, we're trying to play real games and not PR games, unless Kyler Murray is not going to play, 
He has this year yeah. under contract. Well, he has well, well, next well. year at their option and he has a franchise tag, which is why, like I said yesterday, this is going to get uglier before it gets better. And even if they come to some kind of resolution, it's going to linger long term. I think I think you you uh, I, I think you have gone to extremes. All right, so the ultimate this is where I'll agree with you. I agree that the ultimate leverage like that the 100% this is the best I hold all the cards is I'm sitting across from somebody at the table. I say, okay, that's what you got. Okay, I'm gonna pack up my stuff. I'll see you later and I'm out. That's the ultimate leverage, but there are degrees of it. It doesn't have to be you don't if you can't walk away. You don't have leverage. No, no, no. I believe you Green said Bay, tell me if I misheard Green you. Bay, tell me if I misheard you. What? You said Kyler Murray has all the leverage. Is that not what you said a few he minutes does. ago? Yeah, he has all the, uh, in this situation. So, that, so that's the a, opposite extreme of what I just said. He's got, <laughs> he's said, got more. So what's the difference? <laughs> you, he's got more leverage than you're giving him credit for. How about that? He's got more leverage than anybody else uh, in this situation. He's got more leverage than the Cardinals. He's got more leverage than the Cardinals as a brand. He's got more leverage than uh, the general manager and the head coach. They need it more than he does. Their careers are more dependent on what he does then his career is dependent on what they do with him. So that, that he, he's got more power. Okay, look, if, if, if Kyler Murray, if this gig doesn't work out, okay, fine, I'll find another gig. How about Kingsbury? How about Kine? Is that true? Is there another no, general not. manager's job that's waiting for him? That's literally not how it works. That's literally, that's, that's the opposite okay. of how it works. It's the opposite okay. of how it works. He can, sure, okay. okay. So let's see, Mike. Let's see, Michael. He can make him uncomfortable. Like, um, yes, he can. Like what? Or not like show what? up. Look, give me, I, give me I, an example. Okay, give, not show up. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm not give show up to OTAs. I'm gonna give you an old camp. school interview. I'm gonna give you an old what school else? example. Just came up. I just came up. Just okay. came up with this. Sure. Um, sure. And I, I remember this. It must have been. Fact check me on this. It's not about the fact check. Some of you like some some folks like to fact check, but okay, it it, it happened. Uh, 1995, 1996, somewhere in there. Uh, Emmett Smith is not happy mm -hmm. with his contract with Dallas. Yeah, he misses yeah. the first two games. First, they go zero and two. They go zero and two. Charles okay. Haley is uh, is pissed. Hey, 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 man. Hey, hey. I don't want to lose games here. Can we get this brother a contract? Let's go. Let's get a new contract. Yeah, new and contract. Paid. They paid him. That okay? Did he walk away? No, he stayed away. He held out. He held yeah. out. So you can hold so, out. I'll, Is that not leverage? You could, if you want to find an ex, Michael, we I said that five minutes ago. Now, if you're telling me he's going to hold out, if you're telling me he's going to quit, then I I think I said now we're talking. That's, too, That's a form of leverage. That's not all the quitting, leverage because at the quitting, end of quitting. the day, he has a contract. He has a contract, so he can make him uncomfortable by sitting out. He can do interviews. Yes. He can complain. He could put out stuff. Hmm, that sounds familiar. Sounds like a Hall of Fame quarterback who had his ass back in Green Bay last year. Bruh, listen, I can be pro labor and still recognize who's got the hammer in this situation. And the hammer is with the people who have him under contract for at least three more years. So he that. has no choice but to come down from whatever elite quarterback play he's asking for. And the reason I know there's this huge divide between what he thinks he should get and what the Cardinals think he should get is because they went public with it. Nobody goes public with a press release if they're close. 
They ain't close no, in how they evaluate no, no, each other. No, 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 so close. now, no, not close. since they're not close, what are you prepared to do? If I, I'll take I'll take it back to the untouchables. What are you prepared to do? And it's got to be more than that. So yes, you can find examples of Emmitt Smith on a Super Bowl team getting a running back contract and the money wasn't it was relative. It wasn't the same now and Emmitt Smith oh, got yeah, what Emmitt relative. Smith deserved if you want to but if you want to say Kyler Murray is the Emmitt Smith of quarterbacks right now, I would beg to differ and just because Emmitt Smith's holdout worked out and there's other examples of holdouts that have worked out if Kyler Murray's hey, willing to hold out. Car yeah, that would Carson be awkward. Palmer did it. And, Carson and guess Palmer what Carson Palmer did? And guess what Carson Oh, great example. Guess what Carson Palmer did? Guess what Carson Palmer did? Great example. Awesome yes, example. He did. He's talking about the he Midwells and he's talking about the Browns. He walked away. He retired. And his ass was retired he, until he the retired. aforementioned Hugh Jackson was willing to give up two first round picks for him. Two first so round yeah, we picks. can play this hypothetical game. And we can say, okay, yeah. Colin Murray, he don't get his contract, he gonna sit out. The Cardinals can still dictate whether or not I'm, they're going to move mostly, him. He's still look, stuck. Look, I, He's stuck like Chuck, bro. Sorry, I, he I, is. I wouldn't say. I, I'd say I mostly disagree with. I mostly agree with you, but I disagree with with two things, wholeheartedly. One, stuck like Chuck. Mm, I'm not sure about that. Not sure about that because we've been talking about. Uh, as a matter of fact, why do you even have to go back to Emmitt Smith? We've been talking a lot about Deshaun Watson, haven't we? We're talking oh, about Deshaun work Watson. Out. And how'd that work a, out? Who has a huge contract. Great. Oh, oh, Another how's great how's example. It? How'd that work out? Okay, but who's it work? Who's is it working out for the Texans? No, but is did they trade him? him? But did they that, trade no, him? No, they didn't. But I'm saying. Thank you. Did it work out for them? It didn't work out. But that, that, I don't see them with this That's, big hammer. No, I don't see them as you this. Keep, boy, this, boy, this you, boy, you move goalposts like nobody's business. I said goalposts. Goal you move goalposts like nobody's business. One minute you're telling me Kyler got all the leverage, and you keep I keep giving examples of quarterbacks. Contemporary quarterbacks who have not been traded. Russell Wilson put oh, out a I'm whole list you. of teams he wanted to go to. Russell Wilson on today's to show, they saying, "I'm good." I'm not in Seattle. Up Russell Wilson. You bringing I'm up Emmitt Smith from '95? I'm bringing up I'm, relevant I'm examples not, of other unhappy quarterbacks who have had no choice but to sit on their contract. I'm, I'm bringing up examples, modern day examples. Well, you're great. You're awesome. I love that. All right, but what I'm saying to you is this: I, I disagree with you. I agree with you. Mostly, but two points. One, I don't think he's stuck like Chuck. And two, I think there are other ways to be effective other than, hey, walk away. I'll just walk away and get the job done. There are other ways to get the job done. So we, we, we'll agree to disagree and keep it moving. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Listen, man, the most quoted, the most quoted movie on Brother from Another. I don't know. I haven't done the analytics on this, Michael, but I would guess uh, number one might be Training Day. It's right. either Training Day or Pulp Fiction. Yeah. I'm and if we, 
if we consider uh, Kings of Comedy a movie and yeah. not just a concert yeah. special, uh, Kings of Comedy has got to be in there too. Those, those are the top three. Yeah. Uh, but Training Day, there's a prequel. Training Day, Day of the Riot is in production right now. So we get the story, uh, Day of the Riot, we know this, we know history, 1992, Los Angeles. The verdict is announced for police officers who beat Rodney King. It was videotaped. It was the early days of this. Uh, it happened uh, previously, the year before, 1991. King was beaten by four police officers, LAPD, uh, LAPD officers. They were acquitted and LA burned. Rodney King said, can't we all get along? On and on and on. So Alonzo, young Alonzo from Training Day, that's where it is. Day of the riot. And we get his, we get his story. If you wondered, Mike, what made Alonzo genius. Alonzo? It's genius. We go back there. And so, you know, what's so crazy, you know? What's so crazy is that, okay, the riot, we were talking about policing. We were talking about injustices and, and, and crooked cops. So, are, are we, are we, I just wonder, are they going to say, well, this is how Alonzo was raised. What do you expect? This is how he came up. He was a rookie in 92. He learned from yeah. these dudes. So, Did this is all you, he knows um, about. This is all he knows about policing. So, needless to say, we're excited about this. Uh, did I um, did I tell you that I, I had dinner with uh, Antoine Fuqua in um, in L.A. at the Super Bowl? I think I might have neglected to that mention that. That is a flex. Um, that yeah, yeah, yeah. Flex. He was he's he's phenomenal. Um, but it takes gives me an opportunity to, him, to say a couple. Did you ask him the question? <laughs> no, I did, did not. No, I did not. I did. I did not nerd out. I did. I did not. Have, it wasn't one on one. I did not have time. I, I, I did not ask him all the the, the, the Denzel just freestyle the entire script. I didn't. I did not ask him all of that kind of stuff. But this is the point I want to make about this concept. And this and this is this is a brilliant concept. Uh, I spent our uh, latest vacation consuming quite a bit of content. Uh, today I'm gonna watch the third episode of Genius, a Kanye trilogy, which is phenomenal. Once you watch it, we'll talk about it. I'm sure if you haven't watched you it, assume, you will make a point. Um, hold on, hold on, pay attention. Uh, it was in my feed twice last week. We weren't, we didn't do a show last I week. So what feed are you talking about? No, no, the week before. Okay, the week before was in the feed, like two days. That don't mean you I watched, watched it. it. That doesn't mean you I watched watch it. I've seen you talk about things you never watched. So I'm supposed to assume that you watched it. But anyway, great. Episode three comes out today. So that's phenomenal. Have you watched? I know this is right up your alley. Have you watched Frederick Douglass in five speeches? If you haven't watched that. Make not. sure you watch that. Uh, bruh, I, do I do I even need to explain that? That's phenomenal. Uh, now I'm gonna be a company man. Have you watched Bel Air on Peacock? Because this goes back to your training day excitement. Have you watched Bel Air? I have not watched Bel Air. No, bruh. Let me tell you. Okay, I'm gonna I'm 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 quote you right now. Maybe I shouldn't say this. I like it better than the original. I like it better than the original. As as I, as iconic as the Fresh Prince of Bel Air was, as much as it meant to the culture, especially in its day. This one, I think it's it's just it's deeper. It's richer. It's richer. It's there's just more to it. 
Yes, I mean, at moments, I mean, the Fresh Prince of Bel Air is a show defined my childhood and many childhoods. Bel Air, and I'm not just doing the company thing, but they nail Bel Air. Yeah. So hopefully, training day follows suit. They had a well, ride follow suit. But I can understand. But but see, but you know, I've thought about it. You know, I winced when you first said it. I cringed when you said. Uh, you I, know, like I know. I know. I know. I know. I was kind of no, scared. No, I understand it. Because no, no, it couldn't exist without the original. So the original there it informed is. it. So that's why. That's there it why. Is. There like, it is. Okay. Thank there you. There it is. It's just. It should. Like everything it, it, else. It built on it. You're right. Stand there it on it the is. shoulders. Thank you. There it is. You know? Check that there out. There it is. It's just like, it's a tribute. It's a tribute to the past. Check check that out when you're ready. Uh, there's my there's my work for the day. I promoted Bel Air as if it needs promotion. Everybody knows. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.